It's that time, the Betting Predators Podcast, where our main objective is hunting down the best bets for you. I'm your host, Sleepy J. You guys can find me on Twitter at SleepyJ underscore pregame. Joined here by the NBA betting expert, got Jay Smooth in the house. You guys can find him on Twitter as well at Smooth underscore 702. You guys can always get us at thebettingpredators.com and on the best sports betting information site on the web, pregame.com. All right, guys, here we go. NBA Thursday. We got a couple games here I want to talk to Smooth about. I also want to talk about some hot topics and some of the injuries that are going on right now in the NBA. I do want to throw a couple questions here at Smooth and kind of kind of just see you know how he's feeling about some of these teams, you know, with some of these key players going to be coming back, you know, at the end of January or shortly right after the All-Star break. But Smooth, before we get into any of the NBA talk, I do have to ask you about your San Francisco 49ers. They're going to end up playing Dallas there this week. How are you feeling about your 49ers chances moving on to the NFC Championship game? Uh, you know, I'm feeling pretty confident. Um, you know, these last six, I want to say six games that Brock Purdy has started, um, they look like a completely different, not completely different, but, um, he adds another dynamic to the, to the offense with his ability to, to pass the ball down the field. And I think you can see like that trust, you know, from Kyle Shanahan in the play calling and, uh, you know, watching that game against the Seahawks, um, I was expecting him to come out and, you know, be a lot, you know, run heavy and kind of, you know, ease Purdy into, you know, the game with it being his first, you know, playoff start and, you know, probably taking the pressure off of him a little bit. But uh, Shanahan came out, you know, throwing and being really aggressive downfield, uh, you know, with the first couple of drives and, you know, he ended up, you know, throwing the ball 30 times. Uh, he had a QBR, you know, 89.4 second highest QB um, QB rating uh, for the whole weekend out of all the quarterbacks. So you know, I'm really excited with what I've been seeing, you know, from, from my 49ers ever since Purdy's been the starter. Uh, I think it'll be a tough game against the Cowboys, but, you know, the Cowboys have played a lot of, you know, road games coming into this game, and they also have a, you know, a huge rest disadvantage that they're up against. So, Hopefully that wears out, you know, the Cowboys and my 49ers can move on to the NFC Championship game. All right. Well, there you guys go. A little breakdown from Smooth. Talking some football. See how San Francisco 49ers do. Uh, This weekend, if you guys haven't listened to uh, the NFL version uh, for this week's games with myself, Uncle Dave, and Steve, you guys can go ahead and get that on my Twitter. Uh, Make sure you guys like, subscribe to the podcast, leave a review uh, if you can. But Smooth and I, we're going to go ahead. We're going to talk through. Uh, some of the NBA stuff for today, and we have, uh, I don't know, it looks like about five games there, but so if I do want to kick off uh, the podcast with a couple injuries, um, let's talk about, I'll, you know what I'll do? I'll go down the list uh, of teams, and let's just say like big injuries. So I'll, I'll mention the player, I'll kind of give a scenario here, and you kind of just let me know what you think. Jalen Brown right now, he's missed like the last three games uh, with an abductor tightness, and it's it's uncertain if he's going to end up playing in tomorrow's game against the Warriors. But, you know, what what chances do you give the Celtics against the Warriors uh, without Jalen Brown right now? You know, because they're uh, – because it's a home game for the Celtics, I think they have, uh, you know, a pretty good chance to try to pull this one out if, if Brown doesn't play. Uh, you know, just watching him this year, you know, I think he's a, a for sure shoe-in for the All-Star game. He just missed it last year, but – He's averaging, you know, 27 a game, shooting 50% from the field. And, you know, there's been a lot of nights where he's been, the you know, the number one option. Uh, and that's saying a lot, you know, given the season that 
uh, Jason Tatum's having. But, you know, the Celtics, they're one of the best teams in the league. They're pretty deep. You know, they still have guys they can count on, like, you know, Marcus Smart, uh, Derek White, and, you know, Malcolm Brogdon, who's really picked up his uh, offensive production, you know, coming off the bench and closing out games. Um, and then you also have to consider the fact that, you know, the Warriors still have, you know, struggles on the road. You know, I know they won a, uh, won their last road game against the Wizards. You know, that, you know, pretty much, you know, uh, had me in a, a tight mood because I had the Wizards and, you know, they looked like they was covering and looked like they were going to win that game. But Warriors went on an 8 or 10-0 run, you know, with like a minute and 30 left. Um, and they closed that one out. But, you know, that's a big step up in competition for the Warriors going from the Wizards to the Celtics, especially in the garden on their home floor. So I think they should be able to get by uh, uh, without Jalen Brown. Um, you know, you said he's questionable, so they he could, you know, try to give it a go in this game with it being a, a TNT primetime matchup. You know, they really want to show out with those matchups. And uh, given how bad the Warriors beat, you know, the Celtics on their home floor back on December 10th, I think they want to, you know, uh, get a little get back and uh, maybe Brown plays. But if he doesn't, I think they still have enough to try to get a win on their home court against the defending champs. All right. So let's just say Jalen Brown plays because currently right now the line is set at six. Let's say Jalen Brown ends up playing in this game. You know, where do you think that line goes now that it's at like minus six? Um, Given that it's at six right now, I kind of think the odds makers maybe took into account that they might expect him to play and might not move it um, that much as I may anticipate it should move. Because I think he's worth about three, maybe four points to the line. But given how deep the Celtics are and that it's already set at six, I can see this line moving, you know, a point and a half, maybe two points um, if he's if he does end up playing. So I would go on the short shot and say maybe a point and a half and say it gets up to seven, seven and a half if he does. Yeah, I'm with you right there. I think that that's I think that's perfect. I think seven and a half makes makes a lot of sense. You know, the other half of the equation to this game is the Warriors, and it's not like they're healthy right now. Their bench, which had a lot of issues there, smooth, and you know that. You know, going through the beginning of the year, they just seemed like they just had no. I mean, they, they weren't out there playing defense. Nobody could score, and then they kind of got it going. Believe it or not, when their backs were up against the wall, when Wiggins was out, Curry was out. But now you're dealing with Kaminga out, Wiseman out, uh, Green's going to be out. And it looks like these guys are all going to be out at least minimum until the end of January. Do you have concerns for the Warriors right now moving ahead? I mean, it's a, right now, you know, they've won six out of their last four games. But, um, you know, they, they, this is not going to be an easy game for them. Let's look out in the future a little bit. Over the next, let's just say, two weeks, three weeks, you know, what do you what do you expect from the Warriors with this with this bench unit right now all banged up? Um, you know, I don't think that this might have as much of an impact with the guys out because even when they were healthy, um, like a Kaminga, Wiseman, um, they weren't really that effective. You know, Jonathan Kaminga, when he was on the floor, you know, the the Warriors was about eight point eight and a half points worse with him on the floor and Wiseman, he had started to pick it up a little bit before he got hurt. Um, but in his minutes, you know, they on the floor, you know, they were minus 25 uh, when he was on the floor uh, for the Warriors. So when you look at, you know, guys that they have playing now, I know you've seen like a lot of uh, Anthony Lamb, um, 
and even they cut, you know, Moses Moody's minutes down. Uh, they have a call up, you know, from the G League and Patrick Baldwin Jr. So I think the biggest one, you know, that might hurt them a little bit was Jamichael Green, who's a, a veteran player um, who's played some four and five for them. So, you know, after Draymond Green and Kevon Looney, you know, they're most impactful players at that four and five spot. Um, they're really small. So you may even look to, you know, see the Warriors try to make a move at the trade deadline to get a big um, because the ones that they have right now outside of, uh, you know, uh, Looney and Draymond Green just hasn't been, you know, that effective, or, you know, in guys to count on. Um, even some of their young guys, you know, it kind of threw me off a little bit because, you know, those guys were really good last year, especially at Kaminga. You know, I, I think he even has at some point in time last year some comparisons to uh, Kawhi Leonard with his development, um, and he just hasn't took that step this year. But you know, a lot of their other veteran guys are back in that lineup, like Wiggins and and uh, Steph, and uh, Clay will be back for this game. So, yeah, those guys just hasn't been that impactful so far. But um, and you see some of their minutes being cut. So I don't think I don't think it'll hurt them as much as um, you know to some other, you know, some other opinions might think it, you know, they, uh, they mean a little bit more to their, to their rotation. You know, one of the things I think with, let's, I mean, this is a perfect example. And I think maybe, maybe a team like Philadelphia is another good example. Smooth is like, you're not going to be able to really cut into Clay Thompson's minutes. You're not going to be able to cut into Draymond's and Curry and Wiggins. Like those guys are, you know, all-star players. You know, same as with like Embiid and Harden, Maxi and, and Tobias Williams. It's like, you know, where where do these bench guys actually, you know, where do they get to make their hay? You know, it's, uh, hey, you know, you're playing for 8, 12, you know, 15 minutes max. I mean, it has to be discouraging. So I can understand like Kuminga and Wiseman and guys like that kind of just not going out there and playing well. But, you know, like I said, like when Curry was out, you know, they kind of stepped up and, and played rather well. But now that that. You know, now that that starting rotation is healthy once again, you got to wonder how the bench kind of takes that. Me personally, and and I'm pretty sure you probably agree with this. Like the Warriors don't, they don't operate the same when pools coming off the bench. At least this year, last year I think that you know it worked well because he was breaking onto the scene. But it doesn't seem like Pool is exactly motivated this year to be coming off the bench. I mean, we're watching this dude play. And he's clearly a starting player in this league. Like on this team, I get it. Okay, come off the bench, but I mean, smooth off the top of your head. Like, is he is he coming off the bench on any other team in the league or no? Uh, no. Um, he he, like you said, he's definitely a starter. Um, even going back to last year, um, when Clay Thompson was out and he didn't come back until uh, around the All Star break or after All Star break. Um, he was in that starting lineup and, you know, the development of pool has really, um, extended, you know, the championship window, you know, for the Warriors. And like you mentioned, he's definitely been more impactful this year as a starter versus coming off the bench. Um, as a starter, he's averaging 26 points a game, shooting 44% from the field and coming off the bench, you know, he's averaging 11 less points at only 15 a game. And, you know, you can go back to their last game against the Wizards on the road. You know, Steph, yes, he went off. He had 40-plus points. But um, Jordan Poole had either 32 or 37 or something like that and 20 in the uh, in the fourth quarter alone. So his impact is definitely felt more as a starter this year. And I think somehow, some way, you got to figure out to get him in that starting lineup. I'm not really sure 
who you move because they'll be really small if you go um, Curry, Poole, Clay, and then Wiggins at the four. But you know that was a lineup that they kind of took off in that champ in in the in the finals against the Celtics where they had those four uh, guards out there, you know, with the Looney or Draymond Green. So um, yeah, it's something definitely for the Warriors to take a look at because he's definitely been way more impactful as a starter this year versus coming off the bench. The more I watch them play, it just doesn't seem like Poole's bought into coming off the bench. But I don't know. I mean, now right now with that bench being so limited, maybe that actually helps them in a sense or helps him in a sense that, you know, that they can't go too deep and they could actually have him out there, you know, for as many minutes as, as possible. And, you know, maybe he can go in and get his shots up. So uh, it'll be interesting to see. But uh, as I said, you know, as far as, as Boston is concerned, you know, if, if Jalen Brown doesn't play, I would probably actually take a look. Uh, at going ahead and playing the Warriors. Uh, I think the Warriors, though, Smooth, I think they're on a back-to-back, which would actually give me a little bit of concern. Let me just double-check here. Yeah, the Warriors do have to play on Friday. They have to play on the road again here um, at Cleveland. So you got to wonder, Golden State clearly is going to worry more about Boston than they are about Cleveland, uh, especially getting a win. Like, there's no way they want to drop the game against Boston and give Boston any type of uh, you know mental advantage. Uh, because these two teams, you know, clearly could end up meeting up at the end of the year. So uh, we'll see how that game all pans out. But uh, let me keep going down the list here. Let me throw another guy. How about KD? Uh, currently right now sitting out with the sprained MCL. Uh, looks like he's going to be out at least until the middle of February. It seems like to me smooth right now that the Nets are kind of on the slide. Um, and right now Kyrie's a little bit banged up. He's got a calf issue. You know, how are you feeling about the Nets right now? Is there anything that kind of raises a red flag, you know, at least over the last couple of games? Because it looks like they're sliding a little bit right now. Yeah, this is really tough. Um, with The way that KD was playing, he was definitely a, maybe a top three or definitely top five MVP candidate. But, you know, since he's been out, you know, their offense is really struggling really bad. Uh, it showed up um, in, in that Spurs game, their last game, you know, uh, Kyrie was a late scratch as well, but it even showed up in their very first game without KD uh, against, you know, the Heat where they struggled to score 100. And, you know, just getting into their, you know, a little bit of their advanced numbers with KD on the floor, their offensive rating was at, you know, 117 points per 100 possessions. And with him off the floor, it drops down to 106 and a half. So, He's about a 10 to 11 point dif- a difference for them on the offensive side of the floor. Their defense kind of really stays intact, but without Katie on the floor or available to play, they've, been, they've just been struggling to score whether Kyrie was on the floor or not. So he carries a, a, a heavy burden, you know, with their offensive load, with or without Kyrie, especially, you know, with Ben Simmons losing his confidence as an offensive player. You know, he had a triple-double, you know, against the Spurs, but, you know, there was no – KD or Kyrie, and he still only scored, you know, 10 or 11 points. So um, I think the Nets' future and their championship hopes, you know, rest on the health of a KD. So hopefully when he comes back, he can, you know, uh, main, you know, maintain his health because their offense really struggles when he's not available to play. You obviously can't take, you know, one of the best players in the world off your team and expect them to, you know, be able to just keep the motor running. Now they're going to end up playing the Suns tomorrow. Now, the Nets are not on a back-to-back, and neither are the Suns. Uh, current line right now on DraftKings move, they have the Nets favored by one point. If Kyrie plays, I'm not sure I would go ahead and back the Nets. Like, the Suns have just been sliding so much, and 
know, we could sit here and hammer on this team, but at some point, I think there's an opportunity to go ahead and, and buy low. And I feel like at least, you know, if the Nets are kind of a one-man team, and let's just say Kyrie's not out there, then I, I honestly, I couldn't take I couldn't take the Nets. But even if Kyrie's out there, I think maybe the line probably shoots up maybe a little bit too high just because they're going to value Kyrie. You know, it's probably, you know, maybe worth three, four points to the line, and maybe this line gets to, like, Nets minus three. But I would actually take a look maybe at back in the Suns, uh, back at home, now, they do have a lot of injury concerns going on right now, but what we're hearing right now is Cam Johnson might come back. I mean, that's going to give that team a shot in the arm. Uh, Chris Paul's probably going to be out for a while. Um, campaign's probably still going to be out for a while. But Cam Johnson coming back probably helps that team. I don't know, Smooth. I probably wouldn't mess with the Nets. I would look more towards the Suns here at home. Um, that team's been really strong at home, you know, over the last couple of seasons. And I know they're shorthanded, no Booker, no no CP3, but for me, it would be a look. It would be a look at the Suns to go ahead and get a bounce back win here. And um, uh, that's pretty much all I have for that game. You got any thoughts on that one? Yeah, I, I agree with you. Um, if I got involved with that game, it'd be Suns or Pass. You know, even though they're you know been one of the five worst teams since. You know, Devin Booker's been out, but like you mentioned, you know, Cam Johnson, he's not on the the injury report anymore on the road wire, so he's, I think he's expected to go. Uh, Chris Paul's a game-time decision, so he might go. But, um, yeah, with, with no KD, you know, this, uh, this Nets offense is just turned into, you know, one of the worst offenses in the league, whether Kyrie's on the floor or not. You know, I kind of expect Kyrie to play because he missed the last game and, um you know, it was kind of a, a late scratch, uh, you know, out of the blue scratch. So I think he'll play tomorrow. But, you know, with this Nets, uh, with this Suns team, you know, sliding so much in the standings, uh, being on their home floor, I think they'll just be uh, play with, you know, some desperation and some motivation to try to get some wins, especially in front of their home crowd against a team that's struggling, you know, just as bad as them uh, when we're talking about on the offensive end. So, yeah, it'll probably be Suns or pass, even though they're, haven't shown anything, you know, worth backing them over the last, you know, 10 or 12 games or so. Well, this team at one point was, you know, I, I, I could honestly say that they were probably like the third, fourth, fifth favorite to go and win the title. Um, currently right now, things don't look good. Do you think this team makes the playoffs or, or no? Like right now, if you had to put your money down, yes, no, what would you do with, with your money with the Suns? Um, I would say that they would because – I mean, now with the uh, with the playing situation, you know, you could still get in the playoffs that way. I think that that would be their best route. But um, as far as you know, getting back to their status that they were, you know, over the last couple of years where they were a legit title contender, I don't I don't see them getting back to that status, even when you know Devin Booker comes back because you know when they were playing at that level, you know, they were more than just Devin Booker. But now that I think all these injuries have taken a toll on them. Uh, Chris Paul, you know, even when he, even when he's played this year, hasn't looked anywhere close to what he's looked like the last couple of years. So I just think it's a, just a bad combination of things that have really kind of shrunk that the Suns window, you know, to be a, a, a title contending team. So yeah, I, th- I think they can still, I think they still get into the playoffs, but I wouldn't be surprised if they missed out on that either. I'm kind of on the opposite side. I, I'm kind of against them, but I wouldn't be surprised if they did get in. I think the Lakers still have a chance. You know, they're going to end up getting AD back. LeBron's not going to want to go out that way, obviously. You know, again, 
and you still got the Blazers there, and the Thunder are actually playing pretty good basketball. Timberwolves going to get, you know, cat back eventually, and it doesn't look like Utah, you know, a team maybe that we thought was going to slide, maybe the Kings, a team we thought that was going to slide. Like those teams just simply aren't sliding. So, um, I don't know. You're going to have to get a healthy CP3 back. You're going to have to get Devin Booker back. You're going to have to get the whole roster back. I think that that's a team that's going to eventually – they're going to have to catch some type of fire. But, you know, if you look at their their remaining games left, it's it's not an easy road, you know, for the Suns. So if I had to put my money down, I would put it down on no. But, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if I lost that wager. So um, we'll see. Let me give you a couple more injuries here there, Smoovin. You let me know kind of kind of what you're thinking and, and how you're feeling with some of these teams. Um, how about Maxi Kleber? This guy has a right hamstring tear. Uh, he was expected to miss six to eight weeks. So right now they're saying probably middle February. My guess is he's probably going to be back after the All-Star break. Concerns here with, with Dallas with no Kleber on the floor, you know, at least until until that point or no? Uh, yeah. Uh, I know Kleber isn't really a household name to to most, you know, casual fans or even maybe, you know, some, uh, some sports betters, but he was uh, very significant for the Mavs, uh, maybe more so on the defensive end and his ability to be like that stretch four or five man to step behind that three-point line and knock down some catch-and-shoot threes when, you know, Luca or Spencer Dinwiddie kicks it out to him. But, you know, when he was healthy and on the floor, you know, the Mavs defense was at a 108.3, you know, which is really solid, almost in that elite category. But when he's off the floor, it drops all the way down to 116.6 which is one of the worst in the league. So, and over the last, you know, five games or maybe six, six games now since they played um, uh, Wednesday night, you know, they've given up you know, 120 plus points four of their last six games. So they're, they're feeling the effect of uh, missing Kleber on that, you know, defensive side of the floor as well. So, you know, another big impactful loss to a, to a team that has some, some, title aspirations, but, you know, not being able to get it done on the defensive side of the floor or stop anybody, uh, that's not going to help that. And Cleaver, you know, plays a big role for that team. So that's a big loss for them. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, that team is, is struggling right now. They Kind of a weird year for them. You know, they started out cold and then they caught fire. Uh, Luca was going bonkers there. But as you mentioned, the defense has fallen off. They've given up 136, 140, and 130 in their last three games and all of those games resulted in losses their only win was against the Lakers and I think they were actually lucky to go ahead and get a win in that game so uh, we'll see but you know the, some sometimes these injuries really catch up to teams um, tonight uh, the Pacers had to play OKC and I guess I'll pound my chest a little bit with that one you know I had Oklahoma City as my side of the month and and they absolutely delivered that team you know they're young and and you know we've talked about that that team before you know on, on you know can we trust them or not you know, at this point of the year, because this is typically a time, you know, where a team like them or as we're going to see now, you know, with the Detroits and Charlottes of the world that they just kind of just throw in the towel and they start tanking. But I actually think that that team, um, I think that team actually is going to go for, you know, go for the play in or at least a playoff spot this year. Uh, but as I mentioned, they played the Pacers and smooth. They're without arguably, in my opinion, their best player. It's going to be Terry's Halliburton. Uh, he's probably going to be out at least for a couple more weeks, but the Pacers are in the thick of it, right? I mean, it's not like they're out of the out of the playoffs, but I think a lot of people are kind of, ex- you know, I, I would say, kind of um, a little surprised that this team is where they are right now. A lot of people probably had this team projected as one of the worst teams in the league, but 
clearly that's uh you know that's not the case but with Halliburton going down you know what do you think about you know the outlook right now for the Pacers at least for the next couple of weeks because it looks like he's going to be out probably until like maybe first week of February yeah another huge loss to a team that was you know playing really well and Halliburton was a was you know considered to be a, a strong all-star or at least voted in by the coaches um Definitely wasn't voted gonna get voted in by the fans. I don't think, you know, a lot of casual fans watch a lot of Indiana Pacer basketball, but you know, uh, I disagree with, you know, Wally Zerbiak's statement calling him a fake all star, because ever since he called him that, he went on a tear and he's already having a great season. But, you know, his um at the time he got hurt, you know, the Pacers were sitting in that five and six five or six seed, uh, out of the playing situation and since he's been hurt. You know, they dropped down to ninth. Uh, they're still 500, but uh, I agree with you. He's their best player. You know, he's a, he affects the offense and defensive side of the ball. You know, he's uh, either one or two in leading the league in assists. About 10 a game. I think it's him or James Harden's at the top. Not sure if Harden has played enough games to qualify, but you know, he does a lot for their team. You know, getting guys involved, and he's capable of having big scoring nights. Um, so yeah, without him out there, uh, it, they definitely take a big hit. I think they played the thunder tonight and or yeah th- they played a thunder thursday night and just didn't have a chance with that backcourt of Shea Gilgis alexander and josh giddy uh with no tyrese halliburton so uh another good player you know missing extended time that you know hurts their uh their team especially when it comes to, the, to that win column so another big loss yeah i'll tell you what man i've watched uh josh giddy play he's uh clearly that team's number two best player right now behind sga it looks like he's kind of taken, uh, taken a little bit of a leap. So that, I mean, that's going to be a fun team to watch. You know, if they maybe they get into play and they can cause some trouble. I do want to circle back though, smooth because you know, we're talking about players and stuff like that. But you know, the trade deadline's coming up here in what another you know under three weeks now. I want to go back to talking about the Mavericks right now because Luca's been kind of being rumored that that he's really pressing Dallas to go ahead and make some moves in some way, shape, or form. I'm not sure if you believe that, but look, I mean, Luca hasn't been shy about kind of, you know, talking about coaches and things he wants and players he wants and this, that, and the other and moves that, you know, they should be making. Um, I think he wasn't, he bitching at one point, you know, about the GM and he wanted him out of there or something crazy like that. So I'm not sure if you buying the, to Luca kind of pushing buttons right now, trying to make moves and stuff like that, but that's been something that's been rumored. I'm not sure how you're feeling about, you know, those kind of conversations, but have you put any thought or have you seen any news on that? Yeah, um, I saw something earlier today on a trusted site, a trusted uh, account on Twitter, and also a little bit of they were talking on NBA Today that Luca was putting some pressure on the front office to try to upgrade the roster at the trade deadline. And then I was kind of confused by that, you know, if it's true, um, because, you know, over the last couple of years, you know, this past offseason, you know, they let Jalen Brunson go, and he's, you know, done a great job for the Knicks, averaging over 20 points a game, uh, 40% from the field, 39 from the three-point line. Uh, strong consideration for an all-star. And the year before that, at the trade deadline, they traded away Christoph Porzingis because um, they couldn't get the chemistry right between him and Luka. And, you know, albeit the Wizards aren't in the playoff mix, not winning a lot of games, but it's no fault to Christopher Zingas, was also averaging 20 points a game for the Wizards. And when he was with Dallas and they didn't play with Luka, 
or, you know, Lucas sat out games and, and Christoph Porzingis played, you know, he was the number one scoring option and averaged 25 or more a game uh, and while Luca wasn't on the court. So I was a little bit confused by that because they've had, you know, all-star level, elite level talent to play with Luca, but they've had to get rid of him because they just didn't work with, you know, playing with Luca. So I'm not really sure, you know, what, you know, Luca might expect the front office to do or who they can go out and realistically get um, because they, I don't think they have a whole lot of uh, assets that other teams uh, are interested in that could get back the type of talent that Luca might be talking about because they've already had that talent. So uh, if anything, I think there needs to be an adjustment to Luca's game as phenomenal as he's been or is. Um, he just has the ball a little bit too much. And I think it's a little bit harder for, you know, guys to get an established rhythm game to, you know, going from game to game um, while, you know, he has the ball so much. Almost reminds me a lot of, you know, James Harden in Houston. Uh, but you see the adjustment that Harden has made to his game in Philly and what he's able to do with Joel and B with and with the rest of that roster. So, yeah, that one kind of threw me off a little bit if it's true that, you know, Luca wants him to try to, you know, do something at the trade deadline to get the roster better. Well, you know, we were just talking about Kleber too. It's, you know, certain players not being out there puts a lot of stress on the stars and maybe, oh, maybe Luca's just kind of feeling it right now or maybe he's just not feeling guys like Dinwiddie or, or Christian Wood. So, I don't know. We'll see. But, again, trade deadline coming up here shortly. Um, let's see. Let me take a look at, at the the games that we got coming up for tomorrow. We got the Bulls and Pistons. I probably wouldn't touch that one at all. The Raptors and T-Wolves. T-Wolves are playing tonight. Uh, currently, actually, I think that game's still on unless it actually went final. I'm not sure if it went final yet. But uh, we got the 76ers and Trailblazers there smooth. Um, right now, the 76ers are minus 2.5, and, and we have a total of 233.5. Dame Lillard's been looking like Dame Lillard. Um, I think he, he he's finally just taken over, to, to, you know, the entire offense. Uh, you know, it's not guys like Jeremy Grant and, uh, you know, Simons out there. So interesting. But Philly's been playing well. You know, they won three in a row. They won eight out of their last ten. How do you feel about that game? You got any likes, leans? I kind of think the over probably is maybe the way to go. Philly's offenses look good. And as I said, you know, Dame's been just out there. Just He's been on a tear. And it don't matter what, what team faces him. I mean, you, you can't stop that dude. So it'd be a slight lean to the over for me. I, I don't, I don't want to fade Philly. Yeah, I don't want to fade Philly, but I feel like the over might be the way to go. That's kind of where I would be at with that game. Yeah, I agree with you. Um, I would look to the over as well. I was looking a little bit into this game before we got on the pod and was leaning towards, you know, Portland at home. But with the way that Philly's playing right now, uh, it's kind of hard to get in front of them. So, yeah, I think if I was to get involved in this one, it would probably have to be uh, take a look at the total on the over because I think it would be a close one, maybe even overtime. But the way that Dame's playing, you know, Harden is playing and Embiid is playing, you know, a lot of offensive firepower on the floor. Um, currently, nobody's expected to miss. So I think they'll all be out there on the floor t- uh, t- uh, tonight. So, yeah, I'll probably take a look at that over. I think that's a little short for, you know, all that f- offensive firepower expected to be available for this game. All right. Um, let's stick with another Western Conference. Let's talk some Western Conference teams here. I'll throw a couple players at you that are not going to be on the court, at least for a little while. We'll stick with the injury kind of theme here. And just let me know if it moves the needle at all. John Wall with the Clippers, uh, more than likely probably going to end up being out until the end of January, maybe early February. Does that hurt the Clippers or no? Um, you know, I would, I would say no. And, you know, 
kind of down about that because I was really excited, you know, when John Wall, you know, got picked up by the Clippers, even though being a Lakers fan, you know, I was a big fan of his and, you know, the injuries just kind of took away his, you know, a lot of his game and, and impact. But, you know, when he's been able to get out there for the Clippers, he's been, you know, had his moments. But, you know, recently Tyloo, you know, uh, went to the strength of his team, which is his wing depth. Uh, whenever they have Paul George and Kawhi Leonard available, um, you know, he plays those guys. And I think he's been playing Terrence Mann at the point guard, you know, uh, a lot more than depending on, you know, John Wall and, and Reggie Jackson splitting those minutes. So I don't think it's going to be, you know, uh, an impactful loss for John Wall, you know, for John Wall being out, even though you know, he does have his moments here and there when he's out there on the floor. But, you know, struggling to shoot over 40% from the field, less than 32% from three. He's only playing 20 minutes a night. And, you know, Ty Lue has made some different adjustments at that point guard spot. So I don't think it will be that much of an impactful loss, you know, without Wall missing some time. All right, let's move over to another team, same uh, L.A. Let's just stick with L.A. here, talk a little bit about the Lakers. Now, we know AD is going to come back uh, at some point, probably. I mean, it's, I'm guessing it's probably going to be another two weeks, but. Right now, there's no Austin Reeves. There's no Lonnie Walker. Those guys are probably going to end up being out until the end of the month, too. You know, is that going to hurt the Lakers, or is that just something that they can go ahead and get by with? Um, the losses of AD, Lonnie Walker, and Austin Reeves, yeah, that's a big loss for the Lakers because um, before Anthony Davis' injury, you know, he was playing MVP-level basketball, you know, 27 and 10 a night, over 50% from the field. And the Lakers, you know, uh, uh, complete opposite from the Clippers, you know, they don't have a lot of wing depth. You know, they have uh, uh, a lot of point guards. And, you know, their best wing players uh, outside of LeBron, you know, are Austin Reeves and Lonnie Walker. Um, So with those guys being out, um, you know, they're playing like a lot of point guard lineups, you know, Patrick Beverly, Schroeder, Kendrick Nunn, and Westbrook on the floor with LeBron or, a big at a point and you know in this league you know with the way that they played you know today's game you know you have to have some wing depth and uh some respectable shooting and you know that's something that the lakers lack right now maybe you know hopefully you know being a, a laker fan you know that they, they do something at the trade deadline to bring in some wing depth and uh some better shooting but uh yeah with those three guys out you know uh there's been some some talk that ad's been out on the court ramping up his workout, so hopefully he can get back soon. Uh, not really sure what the status is on, on Walker and Reeves, but you know those guys was playing great basketball as well before they got hurt. So hopefully they can get back soon, maybe make a, 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 a move at the deadline to improve that, you know, that wing spot and some shooting. But, yeah, they need those guys back, you know, healthy ASAP because uh, they're, still, they're, they're still in the thick of things, about two, two and a half games out of the sixth spot three or four games out of the four spot, but uh, they got to do something now and, and hurry up and turn it around and hopefully stay healthy. All right. Um, I'm going to keep going down the list here. Duncan Robinson looks like he's going to be out until uh, early February. Does that move the needle at all for Miami? I, I kind of don't. I don't think so. Yeah. Um, if this was last year, I would say that, yeah, that, that does move the move that does move the needle for Miami. But uh, this year so far, uh, especially over the last couple of weeks or so, uh, Victor Oladipo has been playing, you know, really well since he's come back from injury. Um, so I think that makes, you know, Duncan Robinson, you know, expendable, 
Uh, he's a specialist, you know, and uh, a knockdown shooter for for them. But you know, that's that's pretty much all he brings to the floor. He's not a real good uh, defensive player, and you know, um, they don't really you know use him that much anymore uh, when he was healthy and available since Victor Oladipo's been back. So I even seen him in a couple you know trade uh, trade rumors you know for the Heat. So uh, with the emergence of Oladipo, I would say that you know. Duncan Robinson is expendable. I wouldn't be surprised if he found his way to L.A., believe it or not. I don't know if you agree with that. I mean, that'll help the Lakers, but uh, he'll get he'll just get picked out defensively. So, yeah, I mean, he can shoot the ball, but you, you got to be able to stop somebody sometimes, too. <laughs> Obviously, right? Uh, well, Middleton's going to be out until the end of January. We kind of know the situation with him. In the situation with the Bucks, the Bucks are actually not playing bad basketball. Giannis has been out, you know, for a couple of games. But uh, what else we got? We got Towns. He's going to be out for a little while. It looks like he's probably not going to end up. They don't even have a return date, actually, like an exact date for him. Uh, they clearly need him back. You know, Smooth, you and I were talking a little bit about you know Zion and Brandon Ingram and things like that. Like Zion's probably not going to be back. My gut feeling says he doesn't come back until maybe like a week before the All-Star game. But, you know, Brandon Ingram was a guy who was expected to come back um, or like recently. But as of right now, I don't know if he's had a setback or from what I've read, he's not even practicing right now. So, I mean, that can't be good. Um, You know, concerns right now for the Pelicans. You think maybe they're just saying, you know what, let's just make sure these guys are healthy because they're holding it together. But right now, it seems like they're kind of like the, the similar boat to like the Nets right now, you know, where they where they were looking good and things like that with the bench players. But now it seems like they're on the slide right now. So, you know, how, how important is it, you know, to go in and get Ingram back and Zion back on the floor in order for the Pelicans, you know, to keep on, you know, staying at least at the top of the Western Conference? Uh, yeah, you know, those two guys are very important, you know, for the Pelicans. Uh, and for, you know, Thursday, uh, Wednesday's night game, you know, Brandon Ingram was uh, his status was likely to play on Rotowire, so I think that his return is you know pretty much right around the corner. Maybe their next game or next two games, um, but you know he's been an All Star you know since he's been you know with the Pelicans, and I think Zion might be a little bit further away, but you know if they can get him back, you know uh, Brandon Ingram back in the rotation, uh, that'll be real helpful for them. You know it's another. Uh, score to take some pressure off of CJ McCullum and Jonas, Jonas Valanciunas um, until they can, you know, hold the fort down until Zion can come back and get back in that mix. But, yeah, it was pretty exciting to see this Pelicans team, you know, play, you know, the type of ball they were playing before they got hurt. You know, I wasn't that high coming in, coming into the season on them, but, you know, they shocked me, you know, with their play. And uh, you don't want to see that drop off or, you know, take a huge impact because of injury. So, Hopefully he can get back, you know, within the next couple games and get in the rotation and get his rhythm back so they can get back on the roll. And because I do think that this this team is fun and exciting to watch, and they just bring a good energy, especially when you see him in the playoffs. So, yeah, he should be. Hopefully he'll be back within the next game or two, uh, and they can, you know, pick it back up. Well, from what I read, and I read a report today, is that that the Pelicans are actually frustrated with them. Like, to, to, I don't know to like what degree. Maybe the medical staff saying that they want him out there, like he's good to go, and maybe he's just saying that he's not good to go. Because he did say in some type of report that that he was feeling like he was about ready, but he didn't feel like he was quite ready. 
So, I mean, obviously, you know, this team wants to win games. So, who knows? Maybe it's just a little, you know, a little conflict or something like that between, you know, player and player and medical staff. So, I don't know. We'll see. But, you know, it's like he's questionable every day. But from what I read, too, is that he's not even practicing right now. So, um, I don't know. Mixed reports on that. So, we'll see. Um, Really no other real injuries, you know, smooth to go ahead and probably talk about. Um. What about Cam Reddish? Well, let's close up with that. I mean, he's been a guy that's been rumored uh, to go ahead and, and be maybe in, in some type of a trade. It seems like the Knicks kind of just are, uh, you know, ready to move on from him. What are they saying? Smooth second round pick maybe for Cam Reddish? Uh, yeah, there's a report, you know, today that came out. And even, you know, just over the last week that, you know, the Knicks, you know, want a second round pick for Cam Reddish. And they're about you know, four or five teams that were interested, you know, the Mavs, Lakers, and I think the Raptors were three of those teams. But uh, me personally, I think that that price tag is a little low for a guy like Cam Reddish, even though he hasn't uh, shown it consistently since he's been in the league. You know, he's dealt with some injuries early on in his career, but I just think he's been in, you know, uh, a couple of different situations where he just really hasn't got a a real solid, consistent chance to play and play through his uh, his growing pains as a young player. But, you know, coming into the league or or at least going back to Duke where there was R.J. Barrett, Zion Williamson, and himself, you know, he was the highest-rated player. And if you talk to – if you hear players talk about him throughout the league that know him, that have played with him through high school, college, through the NBA, you know, they say he's really one of those guys that can, you know – uh, has all-star type of level potential and can really put some buckets, you know, on your head. So, you know, if the Lakers can get a player like him, you know, they need wing a wing depth and uh, a player that has his type of skill set, you know, that I think that would be a good pickup. But, um, you know, there's other teams out there that are that can also use him as well, you know, like a Mavericks or even um, a team like, you know, uh, like the Nets. But, you know, Lakers are a team that, come to my mind that you know could really utilize him because outside of Lonnie Walker and Austin Reeves they don't really have you know true wing players you know outside of LeBron so that would be a good pickup for the Lakers in my opinion. I worry about his health maybe more than anything I mean I thought maybe maybe he would be able to work in New York you know with the fact that he got R.J. Barrett on his side Um, I don't know if he's worth the second round pick at this point I don't know you know, but and sometimes look, some of these guys that they just find themselves in a good situation, like you're saying, and they go out there and they have a healthy season. It was like, all right, well, there's that guy. But you know, sometimes I think with guys like this, you know, it's a gamble, and sometimes it pays off, sometimes it doesn't. I mean, we've seen flashes of him back when he played with Atlanta, even some flashes when he was with the Knicks, you know, playing out there. But I don't know, so we'll see. But uh, the All Star trade deadline or the trade deadline is going to end up coming up here shortly, so. Uh, Smooth and I will be doing a lot of talking about that. I'm sure some moves will be coming down sooner rather than later. Uh, but as I said, you know, there are a couple games here tomorrow. Got a couple lines there. Uh, I'm seeing money come in now. Smooth on uh, coming in against the Celtics. Uh, looks like I see a five and a half now uh, in favor of the Warriors. So we don't really have a best bet. I, I, I guess maybe our strongest agreement there, Smooth, is probably on the Suns. So maybe that's a. Maybe that's an option for you guys to go ahead and consider. But we just want to go ahead and talk a little bit of basketball. And whenever I get a chance to go ahead and get some time and get to talk some basketball with Smooth, uh, that's always fun. So 
Hopefully you guys got some nuggets, got some stuff, uh, you know, at least a little on the up and up, some news and notes and things like that. Uh, but you guys know where to find us on Twitter at SleepyJ underscore pregame at smooth underscore 702. You guys can always get us at thebettingpredators.com and on the best sports betting information site on the web, pregame.com. With that said, I'd like to wish you guys all the best of luck for NBA Thursday. Enjoy the games.